You're listening to the Strong Towns Podcast. Welcome to the Week Ahead podcast with Rachel and special guest Kia Wilson. Uh, Chuck is traveling. He's a super busy week. So I brought on my colleague and friend Kia to talk with y'all. And I know that we've had some special requests for more Kia on the podcast. So <laughs> I'm glad we're getting her on now. And um, we're also planning to do another podcast with Kia uh, probably later this or probably next month. So, Kia, welcome to the podcast. Hi. Thank you so much, Rachel. So, since our podcast people may not have heard from you for a while, um, how how is your life? Let's like get a little update. What have you been up to? Oh, my gosh. So busy, honestly, um, in lots of good ways. So, for Strong Towns, I'm working on all kinds of cool, exciting stuff that I can't wait to share with you guys from trying to determine the location of our next uh, national summit to possibly rolling out a merchandise line in the near future to lots of other much requested and sought after programs and updates. So stay tuned. You're going to be hearing a lot more from me in the next few months. Yeah, I am particularly excited about both those things, especially the merchandise since We've been talking about that for multiple years, it seems now, and people are always <laughs> requesting Strong Towns t-shirts, so we're, we're plotting something cool to be released uh, probably in the next few months or so. Yeah, hopefully even sooner than that. Um, but if you have any suggestions or any like Brainiac slogans you want to throw at me, go for it, because we've already gotten some awesome feedback from some members that we asked, and you know, kind of the more the merrier. So, like I mentioned, this is a very busy travel time for Chuck, and um, right now he's heading to Pensacola, Florida, where he's doing an event tomorrow at 6 p.m. at the Pensacola Little Theater. So, if you're in the area, check that out. Um, It is open to the public. And then on Saturday, he's going to be in Holland, Michigan, um, speaking at Hope College as part of a conference hosted by Front Porch Republic. And um, that one is also open to the public, but you do need to register, and I think there's a small fee to participate. Um, But again, both those things are exciting, and there's a ton more happening uh, later this year in terms of Strong Towns events. So make sure to check out our calendar, and if you're not on our email list, um, definitely get on that because we send you emails if we're coming to your area. And, yeah, you can do that just by going to strongtowns.org slash email and get on that list. Uh, So, Kia, usually Chuck and I talk about the article that he wrote today. um, And since he's so busy, he didn't write one for today. But I wanted to talk to you about stuff that you've written lately uh, since we have you here. Um, So is there anything, any favorite pieces that you've written lately or that you're working on right now that you want to talk about? Oh, gosh. Um, Well, there's... I wrote kind of my first ever multi-part series for Strong Towns last week, um, which was a real eye-opener for me, and it was kind of a challenging and scary piece to write. I wrote about um, transportation, and specifically the Department of Transportation in my home state of Missouri, and two specific things that came out of their office recently that 
kind of stressed me out a lot and it provoked some really serious discussion. The first was the Missouri uh, MoDOT is what we call them, was proposing a way to patch our revenue stream which is, uh, for those of you who don't live in Missouri or don't know this about us, we have, it's something like the seventh highest number of uh, roads per capita, like for any state, we have miles and miles of roads, yeah. and something like the fourth lowest gas tax, and our funding structure is we're 50% funded by the gas tax. Um, so obviously this becomes a huge problem if more people are picking vehicles or modes of transportation that choose less, that use less gas, like for instance, fuel efficient hybrids or even electric cars, which are on the rise. So our MoDOT, um, MoDOT's response to this was, how about we just charge the Prius drivers more for their vehicle registration? Mm -hmm. And that's something that if you're not familiar with strong trans thinking might seem a little bit familiar, like, like it's logical on the surface, but if you are familiar with strong towns thinking that's nuts because it will never, ever, ever patch the budget hole that, um, is created by the way that we build in this state. We build so many highway miles to bring people through the state rather than between places that are worth going. Mm -hmm. That's my personal opinion. Um, and the other thing is it isn't recognizing that what are we, what do we want to accomplish with this? When you tax something, it says that we want less of it, generally speaking. And some people in the comments said that that might come across as a form of social engineering. I don't mean this in terms of a social goal, you know, drive whatever kind of car you want. But the reality of the situation is when you are taxing uh, vehicles more that are doing less damage on the road as fuel efficient vehicles tend to do. And you're essentially going to incentivize having heavier vehicles on the road that are going to do more damage to them. And so it's just a matter of how can our taxation and revenue streams work in tandem with our thought out goals to create the kind of world we want to live in and create like more importantly, and this isn't a social problem at all, but just a pure financial problem, worlds that we can afford. Mm -hmm. um, so that was that was part one. <laughs> and part two was what creates all these priorities in the first place. And very handily, Missouri has recently released a long-range transportation plan, um, and they released a survey to get public input on a broader scale. And what's interesting about this survey to me is it actually came out of a public engagement process. Um, MoDOT went all over the country, or the country, the state, and asked citizens what they wanted from their road system. And not surprisingly, you know, we have a dominant culture of how our worlds are built. A lot of people in this state are highly dependent on their cars to get around. So they said things like less congestion, better road quality, um, et cetera, et cetera. What was fascinating to me is when you get to the survey and it asks you to rank like your top four transportation priorities, uh, financial anti-fragility, um, to put it in strong towns terms, or just basically being able to afford all this doesn't even rank. It isn't even mentioned. And I found that really fascinating. Um, so I wanted to dig into that. And um, in terms of stuff that I'm working on lately, I'm I just did a really great interview with someone from the Dancing Rabbit intentional community. So sort of like I was referring to in my last series, a thing that's been striking me a lot lately about the challenges that Strong Towns faces as it goes forward is just 
basic imagination and creativity. And um, there's, I probably have underestimated this in the past, but the general public, a lot of them literally cannot imagine a solution to congestion besides building another lane. They literally cannot imagine a lifestyle that wouldn't involve them traveling by car all the time, even if that lifestyle would make them a lot happier. It just doesn't seem like a possibility whatsoever. So I decided that I wanted to interview some people who did not suffer from a lack of imagination at all and had decided to build a city literally from scratch, um, which is not an option available to very many of us. But just for the sake of argument, I was curious. And um, I came upon this eco-village in northern Missouri. So Dancing Rabbit is a really, really cool place. It brings together people from lots of different walks of life. And for the past 20 years, they've been basically building a town that checks almost every Strongtown strength test box. Um, it's a village of about 50 adults and 20 children. They are located in a county with no zoning or building codes whatsoever. Um, they have virtually no debt. <laughs> they have a transportation system that is scaled around the people that live there. It's intentionally very dense um, and very neighborly and mixed use. And um, it's an eco-village in the sense that they have covenants like only f like four cars will be shared among the entire community. Nobody owns a private car and you're not allowed to mm -hmm. if you live there. Um, but it's a little bit peddled back from what we might think of as an eco-village because they have high-speed internet, they are wired for electricity, they actually recognize the value of being a demonstration project that is a little bit porous, and people get to choose to what level they engage with the um, ecological side of their project. So you do have people who are living totally without electricity, like using a communal shower, all that kind of stuff. And then you have families that are living a pretty, what you and I would think of as almost a normal, like rural life. Um, but they're doing it in this sort of radically sustainable way. And they, um, all spend, each family spends like between a third and a fifth of what the average American spends per year. And they use about a, a fifth of the energy that the average American uses per year. So I'm really excited to share that interview with all y'all. Cool. I wanted to talk about an article I wrote recently. Um, not so much to talk about the actual article, but uh, because it was inspired by uh, attending the National Walking Summit, which was hosted by America Walks um, a couple weeks ago in St. Paul, Minnesota. And yeah, I had a great time there. It was a good opportunity to meet people who are involved in the walking movement from a variety of angles, public health, safety, equity, um, economic growth, of course. So yeah, that was a, that was a good time. I wrote this article inspired by a lot of the uh, sessions I attended, which really focused on community engagement and how to like really listen to residents when you are starting a new project or thinking about how to change your city in any way. So it's so funny to hear you say the phrase walking movement. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's like a pretty essentially human function. It's like what makes us human beings is that we walk. Like why do we need a movement to bring it back? That's so hilarious. Yeah, me. no, that phrase was used a lot at the at the event, but it's it's the reality, I think. So Yeah. Kia and I are hosting a Slack chat 
this Friday at 1.30 p.m. Central. Um, and we are going to be talking about resources. It'll basically just be an open resource sharing session. So if you have good resources that have helped you to build strong towns in any way, um, please come to the chat and share them. And if there's a resource that you've been thinking would be helpful to you, uh, please also come to the chat and bring that up um, because we may use some of the ideas that come out of this to create future resources. Um, so that's 1.30 on Friday, and Kia and I will be hosting. I can't wait. I'm so excited for that one. I, I started a series like with really high, bright and shiny hopes um, called So You Want to Build a Strong yeah. Town. And I've kind of had to pull away from it. And a lot of the reason is why is why is just that I want to hear what you want. I want to hear what people listening right now and people reading on the site really need in real time. I want it to be as data responsive as we say that town should be. So please, this is a great opportunity for me and hopefully for you and that either you can platform a resource that you think is really cool or if there's something that you're like, hey, I really don't know the first thing about like how to reach my local streets department and how to speak their language like I would love to take on the challenge of finding a really good comprehensive way to help you do mm -hmm. that and if you haven't yet signed up for slack don't be intimidated it's it's a very simple um, conversation platform and it'll take you like 30 seconds to sign up on our site just go to strongtowns.org slash slack s-l-a-c-k kia do you want to tell us about the newest members of strong towns and people who have recently renewed yeah i would love to do that and i would love to mispronounce probably all of their names yeah, I'm so sure I do. Yeah, buckle up Right. I'm more worried about the town names and the people names this time, but um, please email me with a phonetic breakdown if you'd like, because um, I think saying people's preferred names is really important. Uh, we've got Joseph Griffin of Belfont, Belfonte, don't know, Pennsylvania. Patrick Hess of South Bend, Indiana. Grant Hewling of Columbus, Ohio. Joel Jones of Charlottesville, Virginia. Kevin Clean of Burbank, California. Kevin Klinkenberg of Savannah, Georgia. Alex Lyle of Royal Oak, Michigan, which is a great town. John McClenney of Cushing, Oklahoma. Jamie Lynn Morgan of Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Zachary Sussman of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Stephen Vickery of Vienna, Virginia. And last but not least, Charlie Yount of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Thank you guys for supporting us, whether you're new or you've been a member for many years. We appreciate all of your support, and it makes everything that we do possible. Agreed. Uh, Kia, I, Chuck and I usually close with talking about any cool books or podcasts or even movies or TV shows that you've been reading lately um, or viewing or listening to lately. Do you have anything to share? I have one book that I've been really into. Oh, I want to know what you're into, but I do have stuff to share. You go first. <laughs> yeah, so I recently started a book called The Cooking Gene, A Journey Through African-American Culinary History in the Old South by Michael I want to Twitty. read that. Yeah, that and so like good. I heard a bunch of food bloggers and stuff talking about it, so I checked it out from the library. It's, it's pretty big, um, or at least <laughs> compared to a lot of the nonfiction books I tried to tackle, I'm not like a big nonfiction reader, but this one really has me hooked. Um, it's, I mean, it is exactly what the, what the title says. It's an extensive kind of, um, it's part memoir and part like 
intense history of um, African-American cooking from um, the beginning of uh, slaves being brought to this country um, all the way through the civil rights era and up to today. And the author is like very involved in historical cooking and historical reenactments and things. So, um, and it's also like his personal life journey through becoming a cook too. So it's a, it's a really cool book. I recommend it if you're at all interested in cooking, history, um, etc. What have you been reading or listening to lately, Kia? Oh my gosh. Um, well, I read a lot, so I'll start with books. Um, I think I mentioned on the podcast before that I'm doing a little bit of a project this year. I'm reading everything that Jane Jacobs ever wrote in order, um, oh. chronologically, according to how she wrote it. And I'm also peppering that with a few biographies of her or sort of adjacent to her. And I'm reading one right now called Becoming Jane Jacobs, which is less about uh, Jacobs herself as it is about the context in which she was working, which is something I realized I didn't know very much about. And I'm sort of in the phase where she started working at Architectural Forum. And I was really fascinated by, um, I didn't know this, maybe you did, but um, architectural critics were like subject to libel lawsuits in a, to a really extreme degree for years and years. It was like, huh. if you were going to critique a building, you were very, very likely to get sued um, kind of for the first half of the century. Yeah. Because there's, there's something distinct about architecture um, there as an art, which I found really fascinating and I'm still kind of trying to wrap my heads around why on earth that would be, but yeah, or yeah, like it's feeding restaurants into... or movies. I mean, people critique stuff yeah. all the time. That's a little... right. Right. But apparently like that was considered something more about like the person's character because the way that we occupy buildings affects our lives so much more in according to one worldview than, than what like we eat in a restaurant, restaurant or what we read in a book yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. i thought it was really interesting um and especially like that context puts like death and life of great american cities into like really sharp relief that book starts out and says like this is an attack she really owns the fact that she's attacking an entire way of life and for as gentle and friendly and squishy as we think a lot of Jane Jacobs' principles were. Mm -hmm. And they were that to some extent. Um, she had a very like artistic and naturalist way of viewing the world. She also like it's kind of like a badass. <laughs> and mm -hmm. it's really interesting to have that underscored. Um, and then the rest of the stuff I've been reading honestly has to do with my other life as a fiction writer. Um, so for those of you who haven't met me before, I am also a novelist, which right now I'm working on something new about Jane Jacobs that has a lot more to do with strong towns, but everything I wrote before has nothing to do with strong towns. So I was on a panel event this weekend for, um, the title of the panel was weird fiction and it was for authors who, uh, sort of blur the lines between genres. And I was there because my last book is sort of on the line between horror and literary mm -hmm. fiction. So that was a lot of fun to talk to. It ended up being a panel of all women writers under 35, cool. which is very yeah. unusual for a panel. And, um, I was with Chavisa Woods, whose book, uh, Things to do when you're goth in the country is really excellent. Mm -hmm. And Lena Crow, who wrote a book of short stories called I'm Fine, But You Appear to Be Sinking, which is about like squids and astronauts and like 
snakes running overrunning Seattle in a dystopian scenario. Mm-hmm. And like both of their books were really wild and really, really cool. So that was my fun weekend activity. <laughs> awesome. So you're writing a book about Jane Jacobs somewhat? No. Um, a fictionalization, I think. It might turn out to be something else, but I've been really interested in her life. I feel yeah. like I am so fascinated by how not dramatic a lot of her life was um, relative to how dramatic an impact she had on the mm-hmm. world um, ended up being. So, yeah, I'm really just kind of digging around in her story and spending a lot of time with her work and you know we'll see where it goes it's it might be a project that takes me the rest of my life I've got a second novel project that I'm kind of back burnering as well and is like uh, about my time in New Mexico but I'm always someone who's always writing something yeah well okay I think that's gonna wrap us up for today unless you have any other announcements or important things to share uh, not really. I just, every time I'm on the podcast, I like to shout out becoming a member of the Strong Tones movement, just because you don't get to hear me say that in my voice very often. Um, it's a really great month to do it. Um, Strong Tones is building up to some really cool stuff through the winter, and I would love to have all of you on board. If you don't know what being a member of the Strong Tones movement means, all it means is that you're taking the gesture of donating any amount of money, whatever is feasible and comfortable for you to help us accelerate our work and get our message out to more people. Strong Towns wants to change. Uh, we have a very humble goal, which is we want to change the entire culture around growth and development in America. And that um, is something you can help us do by sharing our content, by talking about our principles, but the even the sort of level up way to do it is to help us reach more people by throwing us a small donation um, at your convenience, setting yourself up to be a sustaining member, which would mean that you would donate five, 10, 15, $25 a month, whatever is easy for you. And um, yeah, getting on board so we can give you even more cool member exclusive stuff. I can't wait to welcome you. I agree. We would love to expand the movement. Okay, everyone. Well, we will close for today, but um, like I said, more Kia coming on the podcast uh, later in October, and we will have our usual Thursday podcast um, coming up this week as well. So take care, everyone, and have a great week. Thanks for listening. We need your help. If you think the Strong Town's message is important, don't keep it to yourself. Pass it on. You can get more information and sign up to be a member of Strong Towns at strongtowns.org.